You're listening to the Concierge Coaches Show with Bruce Cameron and Wayne Fritz, only on L.A. Talk Radio. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Concierge Coaches Show here on L.A. Talk Radio. I'm Bruce Cameron, along with Wayne Fritz. So happy Monday to everybody out there. Well, as you know, we have a special guest with us today, somebody who I've been waiting to get on the show, and we finally hit a date that that we could get you on here. So I'd like to welcome uh-huh. Jenna, Jenna Ryan. Thanks for coming on the show. Hi, thank you so much for asking me. Y'all are awesome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, glad glad you're here. You know, I know a lot's going on in your life, and um, and so I think, you know, since this is a show about coaching and improvement and and you know overcoming the odds and being (laughs) a version of yourself and all that good stuff we're certainly going to talk about that here in a minute but I think your journey has been a very interesting journey and so you know without getting into too much of it uh, a lot it goes without saying but uh, if you would just kind of just uh, tell us a little bit about some of the things um, that have happened and some of the things that you're having to navigate in your life and and start to overcome okay wonderful well Bruce you're a perfect person to interview me because you knew me before right yeah. Yeah. so you can vouch for the fact that I was a well-known well-loved local, real estate radio show host and real estate broker. And before that, a coach, a motivational speaker, social media coach, and everybody, I mean, not everybody loved me, but (laughs) as a general rule, people, you know, there was no reason to not like me. And then um, I went, I answered the call of President Trump to go down to the Capitol on January 6th to protest and I, a friend invited me from Facebook to go down and he said, come on my private jet. And I was like, okay, you know, I definitely, there's some, some more story to go. You have to read my book for all of it. But so I went to the, to the Capitol, no idea of what was in store, just thinking it would be like a regular president Trump, Trump rally. So I went down there excited to get in that kind of environment and ended up getting into a fiasco of historic proportions that I never imagined or dreamed. Came back from that clueless, um, dumbfounded, and the media had my name and the people had my name and they began to you know, say bad things about me. And I was just working on gathering support And then PayPal did not like me fundraising. So they ended up going um, and telling the media that I was violating fundraising policies. And they told the media about my private financial matters, which is against all sorts of bad. That's not good. And it became world news within one hour. My face was everywhere. I was on the morning news, the afternoon news and the evening news. And they were calling me a terrorist, a racist, uh, just the most horrific, oh, entitled, um, rich witch, whatever, insurrection Barbie. (laughs) Insurrection Barbie is the one that I remember. 
They were calling me all of these names, none of which really suited me. If they had called me something I really am, then I would have been okay with it. But these were just all false attributes. And they used me, the media and the government used me as a pariah to be kind of the face of the riot, so to speak, even though ultimately it was discovered that I was the least of all capital offenders. I did least of everybody there. I just walked in for two minutes with a police officer standing next to me, waving me in. There were no signs that said restricted. And I walked out. Needless to say, long story short, you may have heard of it. I'm the real estate agent from Dallas or from Frisco who went to the Capitol in a private jet and got thrown in prison for being a racist or whatever they say. The judge said he was throwing me in prison, not for anything I said, not for anything I did, but because of the media interest. So I was just caught up in a firestorm and attacked relentlessly. And it did have massive consequences in my personal life and professional. What what were the charges or what was the charge that got you to federal prison? Do you remember? They started out with um, entering the Capitol and this, that, and the other. They had two charges. And then I was tweeting. I was just normal because I didn't really think anything of it. I thought it was a silly thing. So I was tweeting and they did not like that. The next day after I was tweeting, they put two more charges. So oh, wow. it's a known fact that the federal, the feds, they will come in and stack the charges just to get you to plead to one of them. And because PayPal canceled me publicly the next day after PayPal canceled me, I was kicked off everything. And when I say everything, I mean dating sites, um, Facebook, Homes.com, uh, Instagram, Chase Bank, like everybody attacked me all at once. I was kicked out of my office in Frisco. So I was literally publicly canceled, like a struggle session from Maoist takeover um, or, you know, a Stalin-esque type of situation where they would take the teachers and, and shame them in public. That, that happened to me. And I felt the full wrath and the full brunt of what I feel like was it was everybody's anger and angst from the election, from COVID, and then this. It just all fell on my back. And 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 just so folks know, I mean, for, for those that have wanted their pound of flesh or whatever, I would say this, that somebody going to a federal prison. Now, you went to the federal prison in Bryan, but folks, that's a female prison. Yeah, it doesn't have maximum security women there. But there are some women there doing, you know, 10, 10 plus years in that yeah. facility. So make no mistake about it. You went to a prison that had multiple types of female offenders. And I want to, I want to underscore that because, you know, a lot of times you'll see, you know, you'll hear about club fed prisons and all this other stuff. And I think the thing that was interesting about your case, if I remember correctly, Uh is that you, uh, you self, did you have to self surrender down there in the middle of COVID? Is that right? Yes. And, um, you know, just, I'm going to tell you this really fast. Um, People that call me a racist and maybe people out there that think I deserve all of this. I just want to really re-edify or reiterate that I was a life coach before this. I had a thriving self-love you life coaching business where I coached people from all over the world, every race, 
every sexual orientation. I would sit there and love on people and share my empathy and to be called these names, knowing that I have proof and then also having that all that happen. So I just want to start there. And then as far as the prison goes, yes, I did go to federal prison, Bryan, Texas, and I surrendered. I just couldn't wait to get my letter to go because I wanted to go in and get it over with because I needed to work. Sure. So I was told that I could surrender on January 15th of 2021, 2022. And instead I went on December 21st, 2021, which is right before Christmas. And people were like, don't go before Christmas. You're going to hate it. They're not going to have any guards. You're going to have a hard time. Hmm? But did your letter say December 21st or you went in on the 21st? I went in. You can go in whenever you want. They can't turn you away. Okay, right. Got you. I thought so. Okay, go ahead. So I went in on the 21st, not caring that it was really going to be worse. I just needed to get it over with so I could go to work. So I went in on the 21st, which means very light crew. Well, what happened was, is I went in and they put me in a room and they said, okay, this is, and they didn't say anything. The girl said, you're going to be in here for 14 days. This is quarantine. So it was one room, like a barracks type of room with a bunch of bunk beds and nothing, no phone, no email. I thought I'd be able to email eventually, no phones. And then there was black on the, on the door. So you couldn't see outside. And I just sat there like four. Days. And you're wearing your green uniform, right? You're wearing your, your prison issue stuff. It was maroon. You have your maroon jammies and then you have, but I didn't know what to put on. And then you have this denim type of thing that I, I didn't know what size to get. So it was just really huge. I wasn't in there for the looks. Um, And I just sat there going 14 days in this one room. No words can express the wake up call of sitting in a room for 14 days. Okay. Then they start coming around like on day two or so. And they're like, okay, you're going to get the vaccine. And once you get the vaccine, you can get out in 14 days. And I was like, I'm not going to get the vaccine. And they were like, okay, you have to stay for 21 days in here. And I said, isn't that punitive? Like, are you, I didn't even feel like that was legal that you could punitively punish someone for not getting the vaccine. And I said, okay, you know, I mean, I, I couldn't believe it. I, my mind would not register that I would be in there for 21 days when every second feels like a day when you're sitting there and there's no, they say there's a library. Huh? There's not anything. I mean, you're like reading the, the stuff on the soap bottle. It is very, very boring. And anyway, so that night, a bunch of girls got, got shipped in from Con Air and they came in there. So I was um, mixed. I was kind of grateful because at least they kept things exciting and fun. But they, you know, they didn't, there was no commissary. They, um, there was just nothing that was just, but one thing I was surprised about was that the food in federal prison was surprisingly not bad at all. To the point that it's good, good food. Yeah, well, that's yeah. good. So, how long were you at Brian in total? So, I was in total in Brian for fifty-nine days because I got one oh. day off for good the arraignment. Time. 
But I was in quarantine the entire time. It became very clear that they did not want me anywhere near the main campus for whatever reason. They really aren't set up for a 60-day sentence. There's nobody that was there that was 60 days. There's nobody there that was a misdemeanor. There's nobody there that was there for protesting, which was ultimately my plea was parading, picketing, and protesting in a restricted area. And the reason I pled guilty to that is I was trapped. I didn't have thousands and thousands of dollars to go and fight. I mean, if I were a multimillionaire, then I could have fought and maybe you don't win when you this go This is up. not a felony. It's a misdemeanor, right? Not a felony. It's a misdemeanor. Okay. Just so we know, folks, this could be on the order of shoplifting or a traffic ticket or maybe a DWI if it's a class A. Don't don't want to compare you to that. But you know what I, I mean? don't it's even a- feel anywhere like it was near a DWI. I feel like it was or class shoplifting. But that ticket. would be something I would never do in a million years. And I, you know, I thought it was a setup is what it was. Everybody that was there, we were finding all this evidence that they opened up the doors from the inside. The police were letting people in. There were FBI agents doing things like breaking windows and doing illegal things. There were Capitol police beating people to death like Roseanne Boland. I mean, they were shooting people with rubber bullets that were peaceful in a crowd far away. So there's a lot of questioning to be done before you say, what I was guilty of. But you know what? Okay. So I'm guilty. I hadn't had a speeding ticket in 10 years. I'm guilty of whatever this is. Certainly I should have had home confinement or probation or something besides prison, but they really needed that storyline really badly. They really need to discourage me and throw me in prison and use me as an example. So that's what they did. I I went into prison. Hmm. I was going to say, I just want, you know, and I think the thing that, that, that these are facts, these aren't feelings. Fact is you went there, yeah. you served about 60 days yes. in quarantine, not on the compound, not playing bocce ball, not, yeah. not sitting there, um, you know, doing some sort of leisurely pursuit. So you were there, I don't want to say like in segregation, but you were kind of there in a special housing type of arrangement because of, of the pandemic. And right. so, you know, you served, I don't want to say you served your country, that would be terrible, but you served your time, right? I served my time, so if you don't like right. me, if you so don't like me on. because of, you know, you think I'm a bad person or whatever, well, I, I paid my dues. You paid, I your, paid my dues. I paid my debt to society. If you think you that's your belief, it's not my belief, but if it's your belief, then we can just say I paid my debt to society and you don't have to hate me anymore because I am a fabulous person. And I'm trying to turn the world around to see that, hey, I mean, it has been really rough, but I'll tell you that in a minute. But let me tell you something about this quarantine situation in prison. So then after 14 days, then it turned into 21 days. And then they're like, oh, they were bringing people into the quarantine. Well, first of all, let me tell you that they took us to the chapel where it was freezing cold. And now that I got out, I feel it was like 45 degrees with these thin clothes on. So we would put all of our clothes on and literally one girl, we laughed, she put underwear on her head. We were freezing, we were freezing. And we would just, you couldn't even get up. We were just like so cold. And it was obvious and they would say, we can't do anything about the the AC, sorry. 
And this was a chapel. This was like a Christian chapel with Christian books. And we were freezing and we were begging. And there was a thin blanket, which was warm for a thin blanket, but it was like literally tiny thin. And then eventually they brought us another blanket. So we had two blankets. So sleeping was difficult. We froze. They said that they were keeping it cold to keep COVID away from us. Now, this was Omicron time. So this was, they were like, they're like a third world country. Talk about the third world. This was Omicron. And even the, the man, he came in and he goes, this is not the kind of COVID that you die from, but this is the kind that just gives you a cold. So, I mean, it was just a fiasco day in, day out. Then eventually, okay, so then they were bringing in new people who had COVID from other prisons into the chapel where we're freezing. And then they would bring in people that had COVID and then everybody started catching COVID. And then they would have to go to a separate room. Okay. Just no brains. This is just like, there was no thought put into this. And I, I was, I was going out of my mind. Like I could hear voices. Like I, I could hear, like, I was like, okay, I'm going to lose it. So they, they did give me some, um, some earphones for the night where I could listen to peaceful music. And that was a, a lifesaver. But the, the young girls are really what made it a pain because, you know, the older ladies, we all wanted to go to sleep, especially me, because every time it hit 10 o'clock, I got to go to sleep and then that would be a day done. So nobody else was counting the days. I was literally counting the days and the minutes and the seconds because I only had 60 days. You're a short timer going in. Yeah, you're a short timer. Yeah. So everybody else was didn't care. They were going to be in there for a year or more, five years, whatever. So they all knew to group up because it became, it's just crazy. Anyway, so then on down the road, um, they ended up, the kitchen, someone got COVID in the kitchen. So then they had the entire prison closed down. So this was right about 21 days. So then that's when they started with the bologna sandwiches, the sack lunches. And that's where you start starving. After 21 days of sack lunches, um, you start to really get hungry and you understand what hunger is. And all you're getting is like cookies, sandwiches. You don't get a cup, you know, you get a little like sweet and low package of coffee on Sundays. So we had no coffee. We were in this room and it was, you know, no, no Tylenol, no medication that you need. Thank goodness. Some of the women were so sweet and kind to give you medication, you know, for Tylenol was so important to me because you're sleeping on this bunk that is about a couple of inches wide. I want to say not really, but I mean, you're not big enough for your whole body. It's so tiny and you know, that hurts. And, um, so I just picked up my yoga and did my yoga and just started reading books. And let me tell you, it was the dark night of the soul in quarantine with 50 other women. You get sick of each other. Okay. You can't help but get sick of people. They get sick of you. You get sick of them. You get mad. Nobody tells you how long you're going to be in here. And they keep bringing people in that have COVID. And you're like, my gosh, why are you... And then every time someone got COVID, it would start over. So it was almost like they were doing it on purpose. Okay. So wow. since you work there, you know more than if I just told somebody who doesn't know yeah. how bad that is. I know. I know. Like, I was wondering, we couldn't use the phone. 
We couldn't email. All we could do is write letters, but we didn't have commissary. So how were we to get stamps? So eventually we got stamps by desperation. And then um, we froze, we begged. It was a very sadistic environment. And finally, I just said, I'm not begging anymore. Fine. They're just going to keep me in here for the whole time. It's obvious. So everybody kind of with me could kind of feel that they were in there because I was there. So that makes them even matter because it wasn't for sure, but it kind of was real coincidental that all of us had to stay in there for that long. Then in about 40 days, we started getting in fights, <laughs> but I Uh-oh. was winning because You're I was winning. getting out. So I could, I could go, I'd be like, guards, come in here. Because I'm not, I knew I wasn't going to go to the main thing. So nobody's going to jump me in the bathroom because I could just, because when you're getting out, do you know what I mean? Doesn't right. matter. So, but if right. you, if you're not getting out, you, okay. So this one girl, she would like, there was like, it felt like survivor show. One girl, you know, she wanted me to do things. So she would have me do it because she couldn't do it. And I could, cause I was getting out. And so then she ended up having to act like, turn on me, you know, everybody turned on me at the end and that's okay. Cause I, I survived and I made it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and folks, what, what, what you need to understand what Jen is saying is, is if, if she got like a verbal insolence or some sort of an infraction, there's no time to go to the discipline hearing officer. They can't take good conduct days away from Jenna because her right. is so short. She's locked into a day for day sentence. So yeah. like saying, Unless she commits another crime, per se, she's coming up out of that prison, whether she's sassy mouth or whatever, you know what I mean, or, or, or does something or even gets into a little skirmish there uh, with, with somebody else. So anyway, now, it was more like this. The girls would stay up. All, we finally got a little bit of commissary. They had the mind all on it. They would stay up late. At 10 o'clock, they would decide to have a party at 10 p.m. and they would be snorting mind and there was no guards because they didn't care. We were in quarantine going stir crazy for, by this time, 40 days, snorting my doll. And I was just like, uh-uh, I'm going to sleep. I've got 14 days left to serve and I'm going to sleep. And so at this point, nobody knows this, but I'm telling y'all because you get it. So at this point, this one girl just was yelling at me. Like I would take it and take it and take it because you don't know. If you go to the big prison, you do not know if you're new. You don't know what you're in for over there. And there may be some, you know, there was one girl who got beat up in the bathroom who came back through quarantine and she had cancer and she got beat up bad enough to go to the hospital. Well, once it became clear that I was not going in there, then I became free to call the guards if they messed with me. So it was really, I was, you know, I was not your best friend in prison at the end. Um, it wasn't anything I did wrong, like from the right. guards' perspective. It was more from the girls yelling at me and doing weird things. And so I was finally like, look, I'm going to call the guards. And I did. And it felt so, I had my power back for the first time. You had your um, voice. Your huh? power. You had your voice. Your I got power. my power. I used it. And I was like, and the guards, you know, they're not used to having somebody be able to do that either. Oh, no. And. And also you were a broad publicity case and some other stuff. So at some point I can assure you that 
probably the person who is glad to get he was also the warden of Bryant <laughs> to get you just to get you down the road because yeah broad publicity cases uh are just uh they, they cause a lot of problems on a lot of different levels not you sitting in a cell or, or a housing thing but just what they're having to go through just having you there with media attention and inquiries and stuff like that well thanks for sharing the prison stuff i know wayne loves hearing women's prison stories so here's everything she says like check 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 so uh, yes. I, it is it is amazing so now let's look at the second half of the program here okay what now that you've endured all this in all the shaming shadow blocking cancel culture how have you been dealing with that what have you been doing to cope with that how are you now thriving well let me tell you it has been very interesting um it has been difficult i've gone through a lot i have gotten out of prison i got approached by hollywood to do a big documentary with some big a-list celebrities and yada yada and um, navigating those waters, which I, I wasn't prepared for. I don't have an agent or anything like that. And I'm, I have very good boundaries. So I didn't last a day in that. So then I've been doing my lawsuits, putting lawsuits together. I had to send lawsuits to every single major MSM news outlet known to man. Um, I sent them cease and desist litigation. Here's your lawsuit you're about to get if you do not shut up. Quit talking about me. So because when I got out, if I even drank a glass of water, it became a, ma a major news story in Dallas and the Dallas Observer or Business Insider. They were they were stalking me and I, I needed to sell houses. And I had changed my name whenever the worst of it happened to my maiden name. But when I got out of prison, I was like, that's it. I'm just going to be Jenna Ryan. And that's the way it's going to be. So I ended up having to you know adjust my my way of doing business and didn't make as much money as normal. Um, and just all the attacks still occurred, but anyway, sent all the letters out and about 20 different cease and desist lawsuits and filed against PayPal and all the media put me on a litigation hold. So now we should be having more of a hero's journey because anything that goes that far to this end needs to swing over and then get more to neutral, like a pendulum. So I know that that's how life is. And if you keep standing neutral, it's going to happen. So waiting for that, waiting for that opportunity to, to just get, have my day where it's like, ha ha, I'm not who you thought I was. That's coming a lot more slowly than I anticipated. <laughs> anyway, the lawsuits are very, very difficult. Um, my, the lawsuit against PayPal was put into arbitration and we're about to go into arbitration at the. Oh, snap. Yeah. Well, go into arbitration right now. I'm in the process of securing this major attorney who's incredible. Can't wait to do that. That's going to be a game changer for me. Hopefully that works out. We're in, right in the process. So what else we've got? Um, so all the lawsuits, they put me on a litigation hold. So none of the people are talking about me anymore because I do have legitimate cases against them and they don't want to get sued. Right. Um, although that's a really hard process. And if, if it ever happens, it, it will be a, another miracle. But there's a lot of miracles here. So maybe that will happen. 
Meanwhile, I'm just focusing on rebuilding my life. And I will tell you that I don't think I would have been able to handle this or anyone could just handle this. Um, they wanted me to die. They wanted me to commit suicide. It was very apparent. You know, they would call me and say that, give me death threats and all sorts of things. But ultimately, because of the work that I've done on myself through my coaching, which I've done a healing journey live through 10, the past 10 years, because I learned my value, I knew who I was when this happened. So nobody could tell me who I was. And I didn't feel the shame of those projections. I didn't internalize those projections. I wasn't able to go, you know, and not because I come from a, a really strong childhood, but like the people in the, the Holocaust, you know, if you watch some of the things that they went through, they had these wonderful home lives and then this trauma, and then they were able to overcome it and build beautiful lives after that, even though they were always scarred and way worse than what I'm talking about. But I'm saying that's an example because one lady said, she said, they can never have me. They can never take away myself, my joy. And this, I'm going to take this on for myself. No matter what they said, no matter what they did, no matter how they tried to destroy me, they could never take me. I always had me. And guess what? I didn't always have me my whole life. I had to fight to get that help, to build a sense of self, to learn to build boundaries, to learn to have internal boundaries, to say, no, no, that's not me. This is me. This is me. I know who I am and I know how I feel. And you're wrong. You're wrong. You, you're going to find out the truth because I'm not going anywhere. You might think that you're just going to smear me and I'm going away but I'm staying here and you're going to know who I am. And I love you. Even the people that hated me and were mean to me, I'm able to have compassion and understanding knowing that they were told something that I would have probably believed myself if I had seen someone else go through my same scenario. So I forgive, I forget, I'm ready to move on and build alliances and, and, and do some great work, whatever that is. Man, that sounds good. What are the things that made you so resilient? Was it your upbringing? Was it your morals, values, and beliefs? Was it your faith or combination? What made you so resilient? It was an absolute combination. So I'm a childhood trauma survivor. Mm. And in survivor, I mean that I thrived. I took, I've been through tons of therapy. Okay. Tons. So that childhood created in me somebody who was able to take a lot of hits and keep standing up, but I was hurting. I was really in a lot of pain. I was in so much emotional pain up until I was, you know, about 2015 when I started really breaking out of the pain through some deep therapy and deep soul searching and self-actualization. So whenever this happened, I was prepared in that way. So no, okay. So I had a breakthrough around 2015 where I had this smile on my face and in my heart that no one could ever take away because the pain was ameliorated. That's a big word, but ameliorated. 
Go the, look it up. It's a big word. But it was. The pain was gone. So I worked my way out of pain, emotional pain. So by the time this happened, I'm so happy because I've spent a life in severe, severe emotional pain. Okay. Like severe. Uh, CPTSD. Bad. Painful. Okay. So I had pulled myself out of that through hard work. So whenever I, and whenever I came into this, nobody could take me. I had already done the work. So you couldn't take my smile off my face. And so I don't want to, I want to say, got it. Yeah. And then God, absolutely without God. I mean, then, and all of this brought me back to God, caused me to really understand, oh my goodness, this is prophecy coming true in my life. And I am going to love the Lord. And wow, it all came together. So it was like being in a refiner's fire. I realized what I could handle. I realized what I could take. And it was not easy. It was really hard. But today I'm here to rebuild and nobody can get me down. Excellent. Excellent. And and you're having to be like you said the, the 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 legal process is slower. Getting your day in court, you know, is going to come you know slower. But it sounds like you you have a good you have a good balance there, and and you're going to just you're going to hang in there and 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 see it through to the very end, right? Right, and it's it's amazing because um, I had an attorney who had to quit right mm-hmm. in the middle, and it was very painful. Um, scary. You know, I've gone through all this time of, you know, having people that, you know, you find out who your true friends are and you have to just forgive people and let them go. And so I was at the point with my PayPal suit, I was just like, I give up. This is so hard. And it takes so much. Like if anybody knows how hard it was for me to get the PayPal case going, that was like really difficult. That was not a walk in the park. And then I got it so far and then we got pushed to arbitration in federal court. And so then it's like starting all over after my attorney had to, you know, go away, starting all over, finding a new attorney. And then you've got all these attorneys who have misconceptions about me. My reputation is destroyed. So they believe that, or they're afraid to take my case because they don't want to be perceived as, you know, protecting me. It's just a big mess them. So trying to find a good attorney has been hell on wheels. However, God is blessing me and I received information just this morning that's looking pretty good with one of the most incredible attorneys in the nation. So that's likely going to happen. If it does, I'm going to be grateful. But I had to learn to let go. So there came a point where, you know, it was everything I was doing for a year or year and a half, two years, everything it was everything. I want my revenge. I want my justice. I want this. Y'all can't do this to me. Okay. I wanted that. And it wasn't until I let go. And I finally said, I can't do this. I am not equipped. I wish if I wish I had gone to law school, but I didn't. So I just give it up. And then I gave it to God. And then now things are looking up. And so who knows, but I'm not to that. I'm not married to that. I'm not married to justice. I'm not, you know, if I don't get it, 
the way I'm going to end up getting it is just by overcoming the obstacle of having a bad reputation. For example, on Sunday, Saturday, I'm making my calls. I do a lot of cold calling. I have for years. I love meeting new people. I call this lady up and she's like totally afraid of me. You know, I'm like, I'm Jenna Ryan and, and we were talking and everything was good. And I was going to sell her house and, you know, she wanted to have me to hire me. And I was like, yeah, I'm Jenna. She's like, where do you work? And I was like, well, cause if you look me up, I am, it's prison, prison, prison. And that mm -hmm. gives the connotation that I have uh, character flaws and that right. I'm incapable of being a, having integrity, which is opposite of who I am, but that's what it looks like. And so she doesn't know this. She believes the narrative. And right. so I ended up having to go, look, you know, I'm, I'm Jenna Ryan and I'm this and that, and here I am. And she was like, well, I don't like what you did. And I said, well, that's okay. I paid my dues and I had to sell over that. And I got it by oh. golly. I got the house and I'm selling it today. And let me tell you something. But then another lady, she didn't. So mm -hmm. I had two appointments set up and one lady, I was able to talk her into understanding that I'm, I paid my dues and don't cancel me from society forever. I can still sell your house. You know, I can. And the other person, once they looked it up, they just won't return my calls now. So I have both sides, you know, I have a lot to overcome. Whereas before it would just be boom, 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 boom. Now I have to overcome the hurdles of people. And so once I sell her house and do a great job, she's going to be like, oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah, yes, Wayne. I was thinking about overcoming objections. Wayne, yes. What do you have, brother? Well, this isn't, this isn't overcoming the objection as much as Jenna. I would, you know, again, when I found out you were coming on the show, look what I'm wearing. You know, Aww. so I'm the guy that had you called me to sell a house and I knew what you went through, I would be a champion for you. Right. Now, do you have those people? Yes. I would think so. I would think the majority of Americans would go, holy moly, this is Jenna Ryan. <laughs> She's an American hero. Aw. Well, yes. Well, I do get those people, but you never know. So how do you approach it? You yeah. never know. So it's better, I found, to go ahead and be forthright and say, hey, yeah. I'm Jenna Ryan. And then, yeah. yeah, I have this one gentleman who is using me because of it. I have more than yeah. one. You know, I have people that will, but I have to be able to meet the needs of all of society, yeah. you yeah. know, but I'm fine. I mean, I'm, I'm getting back, but especially like right when it happened, um, it was so bizarre and it looked so real. I mean, I didn't even know if my own eyes deceived me when I was there. Because it was like, these people are not, what? It was just so bizarre. So everyone hid from me. They were afraid of me. And even this one lady that I ended up convincing, when I went to go to her house, um, she was like, I go, don't worry. Um, I said, I've got you. She barely could sign it. Because, you know, it's like, what am I doing? Why am I using this lady? But yes, I do have fabulous Patriots, you know, but I've lost a lot still. It's weird. It's this win lose. I believe you. But I'll tell you what, you've got, there, there's, I guess, 
I, I'm one of millions that would appreciate you. So thank you. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying this visit. And I thought one, one of the things that I, I remember, and now that my mind is firing on caffeine here, you remember the Dot Jenna days? Yes. Yeah, and, and and you know what? You were really ahead of the curve on that influencing dot dot com stuff. And that was that was years and years and years ago. I remember that. You know what I mean? And that yeah, was so I would teach people how to become famous online. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm I, I, I I'm good at it. May not be the good famous, but infamous. <laughs> But also I started, y'all may not know this, but I started like the self-love you movement, the self-love movement with my self-love you stuff that I did as a uh -oh. hobby. No one was talking about self-love online, you know, like on YouTube. And I started doing that. And now you see it in popular culture. And, you know, I don't usually go, you know, people don't know that, but that's who I am. I'm an influencer and a pioneer in social media and Unfortunately, I made it a little too far up into the mainstream in a negative way. And it's just a weird experience, but hopefully at the end of the day, I'll be able to, I don't, I'm not here to make everybody love me. No, you, you, no, you can't. But I'll say one thing about overcoming objections as a salesperson all my life. And that is the best way to overcome any objection is to handle it before it ever comes up. And that's kind of what you did with that lady. You you jumped right in there and explained yourself so that you took away any objections she would find out online or looking around. And I, I that's that's really a, just sales 102. <laughs> 101, but that's when you start getting into handling objections, closing sales and stuff like that. You're all familiar with that. But that also goes to your personal life. I'm just, I'll tell you what, I'm just, Proud as a daggone brand new jar of peach jelly. There you go. This is it's just wow awesome to hear about you. Thank so, you. So, what talk about your future? Some of your future aspirations beyond the the event. You know, the the, the political event. Are you going to stay in the same real estate space? I know you have a, possibly a book and some other stuff. What what what's in store for your future? Well, it feels really odd sometimes when I'm selling like a $200,000 house and I'm walking around and people are walking up and, hey, Jenna, you know, thank you. You know, it's this weird experience. So it's like, I feel like there's something more to do, some speaking, because I am a speaker and a writer. So I feel that there's something more for me to do. I just don't have the platform yet. I mean, I could create a show, but it has to fit with real estate. So it's kind of like I'm in this in-between incubation stage still mm -hmm. until I find my people, a group of people that maybe speaks. I was, you know, looking at Turning Point USA. Um, not sure about that situation, but, you know, who knows? And hopefully I'll have some sort of career in that. And if not, I'll just always sell real estate and do investing and um, write my books um, I'd love to write a book. I'm concerned about the status of our country. Um, our country yes. is in such a way that I don't even feel comfortable being vocal. I want to see how this 
stuff shakes out because if we end up on the losing side, I don't want to be, you know, out there, the first person they grab when they think of whatever they're grabbing. So I have to kind of lay low, huh? Yeah, I don't want to be the first one to get a tattoo on my arm. Right. Right. Number. Yeah, I don't want to be called an extremist. And unfortunately, the Bible, the Bible does say that when the the leader is wicked, the people hide. So it is biblical to actually not be out there. It's I mean, the America is important. And it's important that we have America, but it's not worth just getting out there and getting being a target. You know, because you can make so much so much of a difference behind the scenes, being polite and kind and, you know, not a bunch of trouble. So I may have to go that route. But whatever route I go, it will be vocal, opinionated, and it may be more mainstream. It may not be so left or right. It may need to be, but it'll be something. I'm going to do something with it. Well, good. Yeah, I mean, I, I could definitely see you doing a book and then speaking. Um using your book as a, you know, platform to, to, to fuel the speaking. And plus, I think your, your media exposure, uh, albeit negative media exposure, but good Lord, like you said, I mean, uh, you, you are, uh, there's a lot of fame there, you know, uh, by history uh, with what you've, you've been in, in the media. So I think you're, you're, you're onto something there, able to harness those experiences. And and, and look, I, I think you, you talking about those nuances in prison, you know, I think I'm so glad you did that today. Not because I'm a prison guy, because I am, there's bias there always, but I just don't think people really understand. And like, wow, you know, she, she didn't go to camp powder puff. She actually kind of suffered, you know what I mean? And, and uh, I not suffered. A good thing, but I think folks need to hear that. You know what I mean? And that, that, that's the one thing. I think that gets overlooked like, oh, she's in Brian. Oh, she's out of Brian and now drinking a glass of water and doing, you know what I mean? You know, that typically gets skipped over that this woman did federal time on a misdemeanor. And, um, and so uh, it it is, it is something for, um, for those of us that are are correctional scholars, like, Hey man, here is this uh, broad publicity case uh, with other motivations and, and sentenced in a way, and we, we see that with the shorter sentences, because that judge wants you to do day for day. If you get right. 366 days, Jenna, you would have gotten months off of that, correct? I know, so, 85%. Right, so, but nope, you're going to do this day for day. You might have got that one day for the indictment, but that's that's a wrap. You're in there, and so it's a, it's like a, it's a, it's a jail sentence, basically, and, and you're going to, and you're going to do it. Anywho, I don't, I don't want to, uh, go down that rabbit hole but thanks for sharing that it, it means a lot and then also you know you, people get to see who who you are and and associate a face with the name and they don't necessarily see who you are uh and this program was uh i think a a way for people to kind of see who who you really are and and and, and what's in your heart and so yeah and not, not just to read the headlines and go with the political uh bent of that headline so yeah yeah, I mean, that's true. And I didn't have to go to probation, which was awesome because yeah. I only had, you know, my, my offense was the least of all, but they put me in there to prove to the world. And so, you know, it's silly, it's crazy, but I did do my time. If you thought I did something wrong, I paid my I dues, but I don't think anybody deserves the level that I received. No. I don't deserve all of the things that happened to me. Well, it happened. You did it. And yeah. it 
You you had probation after your no. jail. They oh, freaked before. out. Okay, they go, you say, don't have probation. Yeah, why would you have supervised release on a sentence like that? That that makes no sense. I was about ready to lose my mind. Well, good. That I'm glad you didn't. Thank you didn't God. Have hey, so again, we are now inside two minutes. So here we go. That part of the show I know you're looking forward to. So so Jenna, how can uh, our, our listeners and viewers uh, reach you or possibly interact with you? What what uh, socials or stuff that you do have that folks could access you? The best way to reach me is on Twitter. I'm going to be putting everything up on Twitter. I, I'm addicted to Twitter. Um, I can't help it. It's at dot Jenna, D-O-T-J-E-N-N-A, Jenna Ryan. And I post something every day on there. And you can always email me on there, inbox me. I answer everyone. I love talking to people. Um, and then also my website is JennaRyan.com. I'm not really fully up to speed on all of that, although I perceive it being something that's very useful in the future. And I haven't gotten my stage yet. I'm waiting to for someone to open up that stage that I'm ready for. Y'all just pray for me that I get the stage I'm supposed to have and that I meet the right people and um, say hello to me. Come and say hello. Will do. Will do. All right. And we're going to be, yeah, we'll, we'll be in touch too. And, uh, and uh, we were supposed to get together before the show, but we'll, we'll, we'll try to uh, meet uh, sometime. Here That'd be great next... since you're in town. That, yeah, absolutely. We're all in town. Oh, and, well, good. So we're all on radio. We're all here in, in the, in the, in the Metroplex. Well, oh. folks, that was a great show today. Uh, thank you again, Jenna Ryan. Uh, for, for coming on the Concierge Coaches Show here on LA Talk Radio. Of course, we can be found on our Instagram, Concierge un- underscore Coaches, on Facebook, Concierge Coaches Show. I can be reached at uh, conciergecoach.net. And Wayne, how can folks reach you? Wayne underscore 515 at yahoo.com. All right. And that's, I'll take care. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time on the Thanks. Concierge. Peace out. Peace out. Thanks, Jenna. Thank you. You're listening to the Concierge Coaches Show with Bruce Cameron and Wayne Fritz, only on L.A. Talk Radio.